listening to the Inside Job Making CX Work podcast, where we share how you can make customer experience transformation a reality. Welcome back to Inside Job Making CX Work. My name is Jose Thabrion. Today we have a very special episode for you. Merkel's industry leader, Aaron Talier, as well as John Reed from Merkel, are going to be talking with Chris Young from Adobe on how insurers are improving their customer experience to help customers as they deal with COVID and rising inflation costs. So take a listen and enjoy this special episode. Hello, I'm really pleased to be here today on this episode of Inside Job. My name is Aaron Talier, and I lead Merkel's uh, insurance practice. I'm really happy to be joined today by two terrific industry veterans. Um, the first is Christopher Young. He's the Director of Industry Strategy for Financial Services at Adobe. And the second is my partner, John Reed, who is a senior client partner in the insurance practice at Merkel. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks, Mark. Thanks, sir. So um, let's just jump right into it. I've got a couple of questions uh, today, really trying to get at what's going on with insurance clients in today's new world. So the first is, look, I think we're all hoping now that we're in a post-pandemic world. And I'd love to hear what insights do you have about how customers are interacting differently now with insurance providers? Yeah, Aaron, I think I'll jump in first, take a stab at that one. I, I think ultimately the biggest point here is that consumer expectations have really dramatically changed post, uh, post-pandemic, post right? Uh, certainly in terms of their online experiences. Um, and, you know, while some insurance providers uh, out there are making progress and beginning to invest in cons- customer experience and consumer experience, generally speaking, many are behind, right, in terms of online and service center experiences. And they're at risk, frankly, of falling further behind as customer expectations continue to evolve and, and, and get, you know, be, become greater. Um, you know, insurance companies generally, uh, I think, tend to spend more budget dollars on acquisition than they do on uh, customer experience. Um, and, you know, reason for that is that it's really hard to measure customer communications and what impact they're having on experience. But really, given the, the fast changing expectations, if they don't really focus on improving and enhancing customer engagements, they run the risk of further degradation of retention right, over time. And that ultimately will put a lot more pressure on their acquisition programs. Um, the last thing I would say is, you know, from a life insurance perspective, the pandemic really created a significant amount of tailwinds, right? Consumers were very focused on the life insurance sort of segment and products. Um, making sure they had appropriate coverage, right? But as the pandemic wanes, you know, it's going to be important um, for life insurance to, you know, really continue to focus on creating relevant communications with consumers and continuing to engage them and keep them interested in, in their products. So, John, that, that's a really good point. Um, I think coming out of this pandemic, the consumer has been rewired to be digital first. Um, web, mobile is just, it's just easier and more convenient. If the experience is easy and effective in that desired outcome, then the preference for getting into a car or picking up the phone is simply going to go away. So this has also, in my opinion, opened the door for experimentation. So this shift to digital experimentation with new purchasing methods, new financial providers that consumers hadn't even used before 2021. And then if we think about the insurance industry, specifically PNC, it's always been about price. So this shift to digital and experimentation has opened the door for these, some of these digitally native, lower cost providers, 
that, oh, by the way, have easier enrollment, greater transparency and coverage, can be more customized in terms of, of their policies, usage-based, faster when submitting claims on top of it, it gives them a real opportunity here to start taking meaningful share. So every year, I'm going to cite the survey that we do. It's the uh, digital trends report that Adobe does. We have financial services responders. And now we also, we can get down to insurance-specific responders. And what they said was 97% of the insurers in our survey, we're close to 200, that digital will remain steady to current levels or accelerate. If you juxtapose that to the next question, right, is that only 14% of these same insurance responders believe that their digital experiences are ahead of those customer expectations. So kind of to, to wrap this up, you know, insurers need to make bolder digital moves to exceed customer expectations and actually simultaneously ease cost pressures as well. So more instant decisions for insurance applications automation where possible in claims processes, greater use of the cloud for IT flexibility, real-time data processing, right, for those micro decisions that take place throughout the insurance journey, and then ecosystems and partnerships that accelerate innovation and get closer to where the consumer is. So for example, embedding insurance in the purchase process. Uh, those are great answers. And it can seem a little bit cliche to say we're at a pivot point or everything's changed. But when you have something like a global pandemic, it's really true. Uh, and I love the data that you brought out, Chris. It, it really shows how insurance has so far to go. So you know, I'd love to follow uh, up that first question with um, you know, how are you seeing organizations responding to those changes? You know, so we know that we have to change. We know that the world is different. But I'd, I'd love to hear kind of what some of the best practices are. And if, if you've seen anybody, you know, any kind of missteps in the market, let's not name names, but we can certainly name experiences. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. No, that'd be great, uh, Aaron. You know, I, I talk to obviously a number of insurance providers every day, and and um, you know, I've spoken to and and sort of read about sort of how they're all reacting to this, and and you know, really most have indicated that they are going to really be focusing on enhancing co consumer experience. Right. That that's a key trend. I think everybody that I'm talking to hears that, understands that, uh, and are focused on it. Really, both in the in the acquisition funnel, right, making sure that they're enhancing the the experience in the process for, you know, securing a quote and, and ultimately converting a, a policy. Um, but, you know, really also with their current customers, right? And how those current customers engage with them sort of post sale. There's um, a tremendous uh, amount of focus uh, today on data, right? Uh, as a key component, certainly on technology. When you start thinking about the MarTech stack process, right? Like how, how are you managing the journey and the process of integrating data and technology? And then ultimately, you know, they're thinking a lot about their organizational operating models. So are they are they structured and organized in a way to really be able to address right how to, to better enhance consumer experiences and expectations? Um, all of that really in an effort to be more consumer focused, right, and relevant uh, from a personalization and an experience perspective. So, you know, I think I, I think we're hearing that a lot about that. 
Now, the challenges they face really, you know, most insurance companies, right, have been around for a couple hundred years <laughs> and they have old technology platforms, right? And they've got siloed or disconnected data, which make it really hard to, to kind of focus on and create those better experiences without some level of, of significant investment, right? And they're, they're out there looking at some of the new insure techs that are hitting the market in the last few years, you know, the, the havens of the world and the lemonades that are out there really demonstrating kind of new approaches, new platforms, you know, ease of access, ease of use on their sites, right, from a user interface perspective. And, and you know, insurance companies are, are evaluating now, right? Should they, you know, ultimately modify or build upon their existing legacy platforms? Is that, you know, the right way to go? Or should they think about acquiring, right, new capabilities? Or, or you know, I think we're starting to even see these insure techs get acquired by larger, you know, insurance companies overall. So ultimately, you know, from my opinion, right, the, the thing they, the, the thing that has to happen at this point is that companies have to get started, right? They, they, they doing nothing is not an option. Um, they need to start taking action, right? And that's going to mean stepping back, assessing where they're at, you know, developing an experience vision ultimately, right? What do they want to be based on, you know, their, their goals and objectives and then define use cases um, that are going to really help them to begin moving along the path. This isn't going to be a one year or, or six month thing, right? Uh, to, to drive better experience and optimize, you know, how consumers are engaging and interfacing with, with uh, their, their business. It's going to be a multi-year journey, right? And the key is really to step back, develop a roadmap, but more, most importantly, to get started, right? It, it's, uh, it's something that everybody has to really start to take action against, I think. It's, John, it's an interesting point that you raise that, that um, you know, I've been thinking about in terms of these insure techs and startups, just based on the size of the incumbents, you know, why not just acquire these companies? You know, um, but I do think a lot of the challenges, you know, in innovation within the insurance companies that we work with today, the large insurers, you know, could potentially stifle or slow innovation of a company they acquire. There's massive cultural differences. So it's a it's an interesting point. Um, but back to the, the the question around how organizations are responding, you know, our survey data that we've done specifically with insurance responders you know, validate a lot of the points that you made, you know, so of the, you know, if you think about customer experience as the priority, what are the organizational uh, priorities of the insurance industry aligned to that? You know, the top response at 51% was enhancing self-service functionality. Followed by that is organizational change to your point, new technology structures, ways of operating. And then when you mentioned data, data, you know, pointed towards the third, which is developing deeper insights about customers or their customers. So the ability for you to get information on your policy, update accounts, make payments, submit claims, all factor into that customer experience and your ability to do that independently without you know, having to go through some kind of rigorous offline face-to-face -face process. But that has to be powered by those insights about the customer. And I do feel like the misstep you know, is that second point around organizational change, like not recognizing the totality of the transformation. So, okay, we're going to update our core policy admin system from something homegrown to one of these more cloud-based solutions like a Guidewire or a Duck Creek. We're going to bring in more of this cloud-based experience management technology. Um, and we could even get all of our data that's in, you know, different silos and disparate locations to a single source. That's only part of the equation. You know, it's the, 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 the skill sets required to do this, 
The, um, these are large, complex matrix organizations that have to work far more collaboratively than they do today. And that, you know, these processes have to change because they have to move so much faster. Um, and I, I think we can address this later on, but, but uh, th those are kind of the, it's not just technology, I guess is my point. I, I couldn't agree more with you, Chris, on that point. And both of you, you know, raised this idea of change and how do you manage change? And my perspective on that is absolutely what you were saying, it, that organizations have to realize the totality of what they're trying to undertake. And definitely acquisition, we're seeing a lot of people going in that direction, and that that's, can be a really smart strategy. But there is a lot of, let's do it ourselves. You know, we, we have been around for 100 years, and we didn't, we didn't make it through all these other pivots. Uh, you know... We we knew we know what we're doing here, and and yeah. we can we can really make ourselves work through this change. But recognizing all of the disciplines that are required and the amount of that change is really critical to being able to do that. Aaron, uh, sorry to catch up. Before we move on, I, I do want to kind of jump into like an elephant in the room, which is you know back to some of these missteps is that an aspect of change management. I do, you know, the, you know, it, there's a, some degree of channel conflict, right? That if your primary distribution is an agent, whether captive or independent, and you start ramping up digital activities and even consider direct to consumer, um, does the agent see that as a threat to their business um, or their livelihoods? Uh, and, you know, can, you know, you position digitally effective for what it is, right? You're going to be even more effective if there's a seamless experience between digital and the agent. We can make you more efficient. We can digitally enable you. We can give you better, more qualified leads. We can make you more successful and not necessarily cannibalize your business. At such, at such an important point is, you know, our organizations are made of, of people and to, helping them see the value in these changes, bringing them into the process of how the company is going to be involved, making them stakeholders. That's a, that's a really great way to make sure the change that you put in place actually happens and you, know, you get to see that through. So I, I, love, I love that, uh, that point, Chris. Yeah, I, I think it's, I agree, right? The the idea of the agent channel, right, is still the, the primary channel that, that consumers buy through, you know? I mean, yeah, maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was, you know, 90% of consumers buying through an agent. And today, it might be 60 or 65, but it's still the primary channel. And so we need to stay focused on helping insurance companies with the relationships they have with those agents and enabling them to be more productive in their growth strategies as well. So it's a great point. To add on to that, John, I mean, you know, a, a lot of the times... Uh, we can, the incumbents can position that as an advantage. You know, we are more than just a mobile app. If you need a person, there is a person here. Um, and sometimes there's comfort with a consumer just knowing the fact that they can actually uh, speak to someone. Um, so it could be used as an advantage in some cases. They want choice, right? Consumers want choice. That could be all online. It could be calling a call center or it could be, you know, going down to an office and sitting in front of somebody and really talking it through. So I, I, it's important. Yeah. So, you know, one of the ways that we can help um, organizations or organizations can help themselves to manage this change is make sure that the change and the activity that, that follows that is rooted in data. And everybody, I think, can get behind data. 
marketers can get behind data, the finance teams can get behind data, and the distribution and sales teams are always looking for more data about their customers for better engagement. So what do you guys see as ways that organizations can expand their use of data and insights to better serve those customers and prospects that they're looking for? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a great question. And and I think the good news, right, with the insurance vertical is that there's no lack of data, right? This is one of the verticals where, you know, uh, organizations and companies are data rich, right? The challenge is, you know, how do you harness that data? How do you connect it, right? Leveraging identity and, and, uh, and technology to make sure you're connecting that data into a common platform, right? That's not siloed or disconnected. Um, to allow for really that full 360 degree view of customers and prospects, right? That everybody's kind of looking for. So, you know, whether that happens in the form of a data lake, right? Which a lot of people are, are building these days or a CDP type solution, right? That Adobe's got a great uh, product for, a great solution for. Um, wh- wh- however it's done, uh, it just needs to get consolidated and connected in a way that allows companies to leverage that data through their MarTech stack and drive, you know, those activation use cases and, and enhanced customer experiences and communications that, that are going to, you know, drive quotes and drive drive growth and policies, right? So, you know, I, there are a number of ways that you can approach it. Um, uh, Adobe's new AEP platform is an example that Chris and I have, have both, you know, seen, you know, used very effectively to consolidate and manage data with, with some of our client, you know, common clients. Um, you know, alternatively, I've seen other clients, you know, really focus on creating a very centralized kind of data lake solution, you know, and maybe leverage the emerging and new cloud technology platforms that AWS and Google are, are uh, you know, uh, providing and, and growing, um, as well as data sharing technologies, right? I mean, you know, uh, like Snowflake, uh, there, there's some great new, you know, technology and companies out there that are allowing for very effective and efficient data connection opportunities across the MarTech stack. Um and uh, and, that, and that's what's going to be really key, I think, to focus on, you know, in the end, once that data is centralized and integrated, you know, that's when you can really start applying the, you know, significant insights, right, and analytics around what those consumers and those customers look like to, you know, really create strategies to, to drive new activation, new experiences, new growth opportunities. John, to your point, uh, it's always interesting to lecture an industry that is so data-driven, probably the most data-driven in all of the different financial services uh, industries around data and analytics, but let's try. Um, You had mentioned a few products of ours. Um, An an area of interest, for me at least, is this shift from channel analytics uh, to journey intelligence. So that gets into customer journey analytics. And that's, I think, super important for an omni-channel industry like insurance that has agents, that has call centers, as well as, you know, array of, of, of digital uh, channels. So going back to our digital trends report, we asked responders where they had significant insights and where the responses were the lowest were in these areas. So 26%, as an example, said they had you know, significant insights, which is lowest for friction points in the journey. So only 26% said they had significant insights around friction points in that omni-channel journey, followed by drivers of purchase, drivers of loyalty, journeys of new customers, which is so significant for a 
the insurance industry that's driving so much prospect volume to their channels. So what we want to do is look at and ingest all of those points of interaction. So call center, IVR, email, agent interaction, digital behavior, claim submission. We can overlay NPS scores, but we can put that in a sequence of time. So you can look, the analyst can then visualize the journey for specific segments so they can see what's happening end to end and the order in which it took place and do so at substantially faster speeds. So seconds to minutes versus days and weeks. You can't optimize you know, at the speed and volume of digital if it's taking you weeks to figure out what's going on. It's already over and there are new challenges that have come up. So here's where you can determine breaks in that digital experience that are forcing individuals to abandon their channel of preference or even worse, abandon the journey altogether. So if the focus is on customer journeys, then it's an absolute requirement to measure those cross-channel journeys. If not, how can you identify those points of friction? How can you improve them? So the examples that we have are, you know, potential dead ends, um, potential, you know, minor things like, you know, someone's session could have timed out. Either way, these are unnecessary calls that are going to the call center to solve things that digitally could have easily have, have, have fixed or avoided. Well, it, it is ironic, you know, Chris, that in a day, in an industry that's so based and rooted in data and look, we're awash in data. But the problem is, as both you alluded to, that often this data is in channel silos. But here's the good news. Technology can now bring that data together in a much more seamless and effective way. And that, that's just part of the challenge, though. So we can solve that. And then it's figuring out how to get those insights. And we all know that talent in the marketplace is really hard to come by and it's very relatively expensive to hire analysts to do this. But the good news, again, is that there are tools that can make it easier for them to have all that data processed and really they can interpret those results and then drive that through journey. So I think there's a lot of good news um, in the market for organizations that are looking to, to leverage that data. Um, but I have some more bad news for you guys. Uh, you probably noticed prices are going up and we're seeing rising inflation and it's making things tougher. Uh, definitely out there as you know, customer walls are being squeezed and it's making it harder for them to do things that they see as discretionary spend like um, life insurance. And they're looking to save a buck. And so they're just thinking more often about, you know, maybe changing their provider in the property and casualty space. So, you know, as if the pandemic wasn't enough and all this digital wasn't enough, we, we've got this inflation uh, all over the top of that. So what kind of advice do you guys have for effectively competing uh, in that kind of marketplace? Yeah, it's a, a really interesting trend, right, in terms of where inflation is going. Um, but I think when you when you look at it, particularly in terms of PNC insurers, um, the market that we face here looking forward, I think actually presents a growth opportunity. Um, I, generally speaking, if you look back the last couple of years, you know, shopping's been been down, right, compared to you know previous trends in in, in the past. 
And that has suppressed, right, quotes and, and new policies for, for a number of, of PNC providers, right? Because people just aren't shopping as much. Now, you know, it's good news for retention, but, you know, if you can't drive growth, right, that's, that's a problem. So, you know, getting the market to, to shop isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to create acquisition opportunities as long as, right, you can insure two things, I think. One, the insurer needs to make sure, and, and, and they all are obviously focused on it, but need to make sure that they're priced competitively in the market, right? And they have a clear value proposition so that when somebody shops, right, it's clear, um, you know, how they can support their needs. And then two, right, to the conversation we've been having for this whole podcast, right, they have to ensure that they're working on customer experience strategies to improve the existing sort of customer satisfaction rates that they have, right? Because as people shop, their current customers are going to shop too, right? And they need to try to limit the attrition of those profitable policies they have on the book today. So it's it's a twofold thing, but the fact that you know people are shopping more does create growth opportunities, I think, for for PNC insurers. The other point I'd, I'd make um, on rising inflation is that, they, you know, that that's also resulting in rising interest rates, right? And so there's a uh, macro impact ultimately on you know insurance companies and many companies across verticals, you know, where profits ultimately are being squeezed a little, particularly those that have assets, right, that they invest um, that that aren't necessarily generating as much profit as they were previously, and that's going to put pressure on on budgets, right, on Martech budgets and on strategic budgets and things like that. So you know. I think it's important for companies to to monitor that and be, you know, and certainly you have to manage to your budget, but they should be careful that the work they're doing around customer experience, roadmap planning, and, and, uh, you know, uh, to, to drive better experiences that, that those budgets, you know, hopefully stay intact or, or aren't reduced dramatically. Right. Um, so that they can continue to sort of work against and achieve milestones, uh, to, to get to their longer term vision. Yeah. So, super difficult question from an industry that where price is king effectively um can value that an insurer provides be redefined can that dynamic change so you know going back to our digital trends report survey insurance responders the top two organizational goals the first one um, at 42 percent was to offer meaningful digital interactions that improve customers financial health and Closely followed was modernization of those experiences to attract younger consumers, Gen Z, millennials. But I, I really want to hang my hat on that first statement around improving financial health and well-being. That's something that a price point can't necessarily solve for. Um, and when I talk to customers in other categories in financial services, banks and wealth management, I hear more about deepening customer relationships uh, far more than I do from insurers uh, that, that I think they should think and act in the same way. So, so how, how does a set and forget product ingrain themselves in the same way as other financial categories that you would interact with on a more daily basis? You know, to, to me, it's more of that uh, present financial ally. You know, in theory, I guess who flow is supposed to be, you keep showing up at your house, you know, that protector that's constantly mitigating risk or simply looking out for you. And I think that's a space that the insurance industry can uniquely occupy. So what does that look like? That looks like a lot more proactivity, you know, communicating ways that you can protect your homes using IOT data, you know, for example, for optimizing utility expenses. If it's life insurance, you know, encouraging and rewarding exercise or healthy behavior, 
um, providing more personalization or customization of the product. So allow them to kind of adjust what they purchase based on, you know, only quote, only pay for what you need as an example. Um, bundling services, not just other policies, but adjacencies like home repair or car maintenance. And then have mobile applications that cover the, the, the totality of the, the benefits in the relationship, including access to virtual agents. You know, if you think about the things that we had just mentioned, that sounds like a, a company that you're doing business with that's doing far more for you, you know, that, than simply the required auto policy for the new car that you bought. I love this point about value, right? Because we talk about the customer experience and really at the heart of the customer experience is the value that we can provide. And when we just think about insurance as a product, yes, the, the product itself provides an intrinsic value, but we've, we've really got to go beyond that um, to offer some something, an experience that's differentiated. Otherwise, we're just a me too. And you're right, Chris, we'll, we'll just be competing on price. Uh, and that's a race to the bottom for everybody. Yep. Zero sum game, totally commoditized. And that also opens the door for aggregators, right? Like, do I really, if it's just a price point, I'll go to a site that has all of these insurance policy listed and I'll just pick the lowest price. Yeah. And, you know, some of those aggregators, to your point, that they're actually offering value because they have things like calculators and advice. And they're sometimes more customer centric than the actual providers themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. So I have one last question for you guys. You've provided a lot of you know awesome insight. Um, so the last question I'm going to wrap up with here is knowing that organizations are in various stages of transformation, what do you think is the most important thing that they can do to improve their chance of success for actually achieving their transformation business goals? So I, I guess a good place to start is, you know, what we're currently in, which is uh, the, the great resignation. Uh, and the insurance industry has always been struggling with resources and talent gaps, and not just in terms of, you know, underwriters or claims adjusters. But, you know, I think, Aaron, you made the point around data scientists and those that specialize in AI that are required to run and operate all of these like really interesting AI and automation opportunities that we speak about pretty casually. Then also, you know, digital skill sets. Um, and it's not a coincidence that, you know, going back to the previous point, you know, that I made earlier, that, that optimizing the organization in terms of tech and talent and processes was number two for insurance. But by the way, outside the top three for banking and wealth management responders. So 91% of financial services marketing executives agreed, 48% strongly agreed that our ability to be agile will determine our success as a marketing organization. So that's the idea of basically the ability to pivot, adjust, reprioritize, innovate faster to keep up with the consumer and the change of pace. So how did, you know, how do insurance responders of that survey believe they're going to improve the productivity of the marketing function? This is what I'm getting at is like, all right, let's just focus on our ability to be more effective and agile um, as, a, as, an, as an organization. And before I get into this, there's only really three ways an insurer can make money, right? One is sell more, manage risk better, or what I'm kind of alluding to here is to be far more efficient and take cost out of the operation. So how do the insurers respond here? One, the top response at 58% was automation of back office processes. 
So I understand that not every policy can be straight through processed, but APIs uh, that, that get into like intelligent text ingestion, right? So taking documents um, and that are, you know, in a process that's really information heavy and reducing manual entry or rekeying of information that leads to slower processes because of natural human error that occurs. Investing in work and project management, so workflows, collaborative tools that are super important for large matrix organizations that additionally require all sets of legal approval of materials. And then lastly, but not leastly, right, is, the tr is training and learning. So if you can't go out and acquire digital skill sets as, say, an Amazon or a Chase, as an example, then you have to develop those skill sets and talent internally. Um, so there's a, a, a massive opportunity and, and training that, that we offer, that a lot of companies offer with their software to enhance the digital skill sets, to learn how to use these more modern tools effectively. Chris, those are great, great points, right? Uh, very uh, actionable type things. And, and that's awesome. I, I looked at this a, a little bit uh, differently. Um, I think, you know, first step, right, to kind of make sure you're, you're making progress against your transformation goal is, in my opinion, you need an executive sponsor, right? Somebody at the top needs to take ownership for the work that has to get done to execute on everything you just described, right? Transformation is something that takes focus and it takes leadership. Someone who's going to keep, you know, the project on track, who's going to make sure decisions are being made and that milestones are being achieved. Um, and they're going to need help, right? They're going to need the right operating model and the right resources, as you just described, um, to make sure that there's, you know, um, uh, progress being made, right? So that commitment and sponsorship at the top and, and, and setting and assigning that right operating model. And, and to your point, in an agile way, right? That's the latest, obviously, buzzword that everybody's focused on, but it's such a great way of making quick and, and significant progress over time. Um, you know, setting that agile operating model, right, really makes a lot of sense. Um, I think the second point is really, I mentioned this before, but, but you know, just get started, right? I mean, the, the, the point is, you know, don't wait. Don't assess again, right? Don't, don't you know, continue to analyze. It's really important, right? If you, if you keep doing that, another year is going to pass and you won't have made progress. So it's important to get started, um, get that vision, get that roadmap going. Not every decision you make is going to be the right one, right? So you'll always have a need to pivot and adapt as you're moving. And, and frankly, as you learn, right, what's happening and what consumers want in, in the marketplace. But it's critical to get, to get started, get the roadmap moving. And then finally, what I would say is, you know, uh, really important to define what success looks like. So, um, you know, as you think about and start executing on use cases, what are the KPIs <clears throat> that ultimately can be measured? What are you trying to achieve uh, and how are you going to measure them and monitor them over time? I think it's important to be careful that you don't be too aggressive with your KPI goals in the first year, uh, but focus more on, on what are the milestones that are going to drive value, right? And drive growth uh, over time that you can build upon year over year over year. Um, so the measurement of those KPIs, you know, setting and, and measuring and monitoring those KPIs, I think is, is critically important as well. So, John, uh, just to add, it's a, it's a fair point. I, maybe I, I took my first part at a, a bit of a high level, um, but, but I think it's a good idea to leave the audience with some, some more specifics around digital. So let, let's talk about that for a second. So when, when it comes to digital, you know, and we think about low-hanging fruit, to your point, John, as a place to start, you, you could start with the web. So if, the, if your focus, if you're a large insurer, right, and your focus is on brand advertising and driving leads 
and the destination or place for engagement and education and conversion is the web, then that has to be as effective as possible. And if you move the needle half a percent, one percent, two percent, you know, at the end of the day, with the volumes that we're talking about, that can have a really significant impact. So what can you do, you know, in terms of that, uh, your website or that asset, right, in being far more effective in, you know, driving that lead volume and outcomes? So data strategy, we talked about, that's part of it, you know, better use of, of data, data collection, progressive profiling, meaning asking for bits of information along the way in that process, um, better strategies with your first party data that can help improve the quality of the leads that are coming in. So we worked with an insurer in Europe. Uh, they were using uh, data management to combine a lot of the relevant traits that they collected um, and pairing that with behavioral data around specific policies that an individual is looking for. And just simply combining the two um, resulted in you know uh, five times more likely for these individuals that were targeted to start and complete a quote. Um, another example is simply connecting channels for consistency and continuity, which makes an impact. Simple stuff, right? Customers who browse for a particular product and you have their contact information get targeted with a relevant message in an email based on that behavior. That same European insurer, 37% increase in open rate, 176% increase in click-through rate. So it's just, you know, simply using the data that you have, operationalizing that and expressing that in personalization on your website and connecting the dots between channels because you've collected this information and you have the ability to retarget. You know, it, it's simple stuff that can yield some pretty good response rates um, and and uh, quote volume. And what I'd, what I'd end with is, you know, if you are... If you're listening to this and you have independent agents and you kind of focus your efforts on improving the experience for them, the same principles apply, right? In terms of you know messaging, relevancy, surfacing the right content, uh, making proactive product recommendations that will make that agent successful through channels like agent portals, the same concepts apply of unification of data, understanding who that agent is, expressing that in outbound communication and personalization, understanding the journey of that agent, all of these things apply. Well, you guys have given us a lot to think about. Um, and as I reflect back on the conversation that we've had, I have one simple takeaway, which is there's really no excuses for us in the insurance industry. Um, it's very clear that we need to transform. The, the imperatives are there. Uh, the market environment is driving us. But here's the thing. The tools are available. The processes are available. And it, it really is a matter of how you tackle that, the determination. And I'm really honored to have spent this time uh, with you, John, and with you, Chris. Um, you brought tons of great insights. I hope that if you're listening to this, uh, you can see the passion that the three of us have for this industry. And I'll just say that we would love to follow up and have conversations and talk more about what your challenges are and, and how you're tackling them and what, what you see in the marketplace. So, I invite you to reach out. Um, this has been a really pleasure for me. So I want to say thanks, John. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And, and we uh, at Adobe appreciate the partnership with Merkle.
Well, terrific. And we hope to see uh, you listeners on the next episode of Inside Job. Thanks a lot. 